Today's date is June 18th, 2023. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 55, Actually We Are Fooling, to the end of the chapter. Anna will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Kara L. Thank you. My name is Anna. I'm a compulsive overeater. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form of other, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we had for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the greater reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. We can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. With this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of your belief is sure to comment to, to, comment to, to comment you. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dodged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide, these calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. One night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? This man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide of at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had steeped from bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. No later vicissitude has shaken it. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. Save for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. And at such times, a great revulsion has risen up in him. 
Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. What is this but a miracle of healing? Yet, its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker, then he knew. Even so, has God restored all us all to our right minds. To this man, this revela the revelation was sudden. Some of us grow into it more slowly. But he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drew near to him, him, he disclosed himself to us. Thank you, Anna. And now we'll have a 20 minute share from Kara. Good morning, my fellows. This is Kara. I'm Elle. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Beach, California. It's 7.16 here in the morning. Um, so happy to see you all today on this first screen. I'm not going to flip through because that'll just freak me out. And um, I'm going to take a moment just for me, just take a breath and invite God into this experience with me. Um, is anybody timing or do I get to time myself, by the way? I can give you um, five minute warning or you can time yourself 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Awesome. I'll time myself. Don't okay, worry about thank it. Okay, thank you. Yep. Okay, here we go. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I am from Long Beach, California. I have been in recovery in the rooms since 2004, I believe it is. Um, I have been what I would label as a recovered state for the last four or five years. Um, not so great with actual dates. I just know things changed. Um, but I would say my abstinence is 19 years long. I have always maintained an abstinence. Um, it's, I think it has grown and developed over the years to what it is today. Um, the gifts of this program have given me food neutrality, have given me a design for living, have given me really a life that I could never imagine. A life beyond my wildest dreams, views, Roseanne's um, words. And I'm so grateful for that because that's not how it's, I'm a stereotype. I will just tell you right now, I was born, you know, in the late sixties. I was a child of the eighties, a hundred percent. I was what you want, you know, latchkey, divorced parents, all that good stuff. If you go in and you look that stuff up online, I tick all the boxes. Okay. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on the woes me's of all of that. But let's just say I came out of my childhood pretty, pretty messed up. And I was always looking for a solution. I, I believed my whole life that to be thin would be well and would be loved and it would solve all my problems. And there were times in my life I was very thin because I would restrict. And then there were times in my life that I was, you know, 60, 70 pounds overweight um, because I would just eat compulsively because every time the end of restriction was to eat compulsively. Um, and I would say I'd eat compulsively even in the restriction. And I, over my period of time in here, I've had exercise bulimia. I've never thrown up, but I've certainly exercised that food away as the best I could, right? Um, I never did anything moderately. Everything was extremes. Not eating 
eating until I was so full I could hardly move, right? Exercising until I wanted to drop, not exercising. Um, my life was very black and white. And what it got me to was um, coming through the doors of this program, I had just kicked my husband out of my house. I had two small children who I was oh, a shrew with. And I remember I had looked at my husband and just said, I don't know what's wrong. I can't diet anymore. I don't understand. I used to be able to drop weight. And I would, I would go to bed. I don't know if you can identify. I would go to bed demoralized. I would promise myself whatever the next day was, I would get on that diet. I would wake up in the morning and I would eat the diet breakfast. And then I would continue to compulsively eat the rest of the day until I was demoralized in the evening and the whole cycle started over. That was me. Every single day. And, and I was, it's not that I didn't know. I mean, I knew how to lose weight. I mean, I knew. I can tell the difference between a vegetable and a pastry. I can't. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I look at a vegetable and a pastry. I'm like, hmm, I know the difference between those two things. But there was something in me that just couldn't, couldn't do it. And I remember I was in this mess and I walked through the doors of a, oh, 19, almost 20 years ago, of a, 19 years ago, of a Seal Beach meeting. And I walked into the room and people were talking about abstinence and people were talking about all these different things. And I didn't, I, I was, I was way over my head, but I stayed. I have never, it's the only thing I've done absolutely perfect is I have never in the 19 years left these rooms ever. I have always gone to a meeting. I have always been in contact with fellows. I have always had a sponsor except for a few you know, weeks here and or there, but I've always had a sponsor. But I've just never left. And I was blessed to walk into some really amazing rooms of recovery that told me I was in recovery if I cut my butt in a chair. Just keep my butt in the chair. Keep waiting. I am blessed to live in the Los Angeles area where OA was founded. There are so many meetings here. And also in all of our meetings, there's people with 30, 40, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of recovery in the meetings and I listened to them when I would you know my butt never leaving this chair I listened to them say it took me this long it took me eight years it took me 20 years it took me 15 years it took me you know I got it right away or this is what and and having those resources if you're not calling your fellows call your fellows I have to call my fellows in this program because I have craziness that happens in my brain <laughs> and and how I get out of self one of the ways I get out of self is I call fellows and I talk to fellows in this program you know I don't know if you if you listen like when I was telling you about my day it was all filled with I this I that I this never in my life was there a, a higher power you know I my religious faith had me believing in a deity, but it was very distant. It was that deity is the deity of a, of an, you know, of religious documents 
that seemed far-fetched and either grandiose, nothing personal, right? There was nothing personal in that. And so I kind of believed in this. I kind of prayed, but it was all the, as my my sponsor of the time, my beloved sponsor that I had for 12 years, when I first, I got a sponsor after six weeks coming to meetings and I had her for 12 years. And the only reason she moved away and at that time, you know, there wasn't all this Zoom and whatnot. So she says, do you need a sponsor you can see in person? So I got a new one. And she used to say, you know, like, she goes, oh, those are pony prayers. I want a pony. I want a pony, God. <laughs> you know, and those were, some of my favorite things were from her, my pony prayers. And she goes, oh, is that bruised to tumor thinking? Meaning I have a bruise. I must be dying. You know, those were some of the things I used to do. Like every little thing like was huge because I had no, like, I had nothing to keep me anchored, monitored. I kept trying to solve my own problems. You know, I don't know if you can identify, but I was raised with this, like, pick yourselves up from your bootstraps. You know, you will succeed if you work hard enough. And if you don't succeed, it's because you have not worked hard enough. And so my whole entire life was put your nose to the grindstone, get in there. If you're not getting what you want, push harder, right? That's how I was raised. And so there was no, there was no, you know, like letting go. There was no asking a higher power. I, God was never even spoken of in my home, except for in prayer that was in, a, in another language I didn't understand too well and did not, did not identify with. And the crazy, here's the crazy thing is like, today, God comes out of my mouth, you know, higher power comes out of my mouth continuously, you know, continuously. Um, I, just that little prayer I said before speaking today, you know, God, I invite you in. Um, I say it throughout the day. When I notice that I'm, I'm getting like this, uh, I'm getting like wound up. Like I, I'm fumble fingered. Like I'll drop something. That's when I slow down and I take a step back and I say, God, I invite you in. All right. So what happened? So I, I've worked these steps I, I, a lot. I've worked these steps. You know, I've done them. In our OA literature, I, I did them through the big book. I did them, I did them, I did them. And I will say that the first 15 years of my recovery were very much slow steps down the path. But could I say that I had that spiritual awakening? No, I couldn't. But if you ask me today, I will say absolutely and most definitely I've had a spiritual awakening. But, you know, my food got easier and my emotional sobriety got easier during those 15 years. And I, and I put all that time in. So what, what happened? How did I love, I love a little earlier in this, they use, and, and they referred to it in the reading that we just read today. I love that idea of the bridge of reason and stepping to the shore of faith. And I don't know how it happens. I wish I could just tell you how I stepped for the bridge of reason to the shore of faith. I don't know. But for me, that was the difference of being educational in this program, you know, like doing everything, doing all the do's and really having a spiritual awakening was that 
you know, that second, you know, the first, the first three steps, really and truly taking them, you know, figuring out, even if I worked really hard in this program, excuse me, if I worked really hard in this program, I probably was, you know, it would be helpful, but it wasn't up to me. And that's the first step for me is like, I can't do this. I'm gonna have to ask for help. Second step, do I believe that there is something greater than me that will help me? Not that I worked hard enough, not that I got the right diet, not that I got online to the right doctor, not do I believe that it, there is something that I cannot describe to you? All I know is greater than me that will help me. And where do I take? That step, I'm on the edge of that bridge and I'm holding on for dear life because all I know is reason in my life and that is what is safe. And I believe in step two, so step three, I step over to the faith and I say, all right, I have screwed this up my whole life. I'm gonna trust. And everything, absolutely everything in my life, down to what shoes I'm going to wear, what outfit I'm going to wear, I ask that higher power's opinion. God, what do you think? You know, what do you think? I ask, when I get up in the morning, God, what am I having for breakfast? I have about five breakfasts I eat anyway, so it's not like going to be a big, giant surprise, right? But which one am I having this morning? God. You know, what am I wearing today? This is what I'm doing. What do you think, God? What am I doing? Right? Um, I just, everything. And when when I notice I'm in self, it's that that I'm doing the And that's when I step back and I say, oh, God, I forgot to invite you into whatever I'm doing. Right? I forgot to invite you in. Let me invite you in. Please join me. Help me. Show me the way. The conundrum and the paradox of it all is that I got more connected when I got dumber, you know, when I didn't know and I started asking for help. That's when I got more connected. And what we're reading about today, you know, we read about, we read about this, you know, guy, guy who's like, did not, was raised religiously, right? And, and did not, and did not have that connection. And, and all of a sudden heard his voice, like, who are you to say there's no God? And I thought, I had a very similar thing happen to me, you know, in this recovery. And it I was busy in one of my character defects, let's be honest, right? Even though I was recovered, I those things. And I love how Bill Wilson talks about his character defects that still after recovery still are there. And the continued process using these steps to deal with those character defects, right? So I'm in the character defect of approval seeking. I'm approval seeking for people. And of course, where does that end? Because I am doing it. It ends in pain, right? I'm upset and I'm upset and I'm sitting. I can tell you exactly. I'm sitting at the at the counter in my kitchen and I, I know exactly what it was. And I was doing an inventory probably. And I was praying and I said, ah, oh, this approval seeking. And all I heard like this line was, am I not good enough for you? Am I not good enough 
for you. And in that moment, and I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking of the moment, I realized that was my connection with my higher powers. When I discredit the, the abundance and the love and the caring and of my higher power, and I try to take things on myself, I'm telling my higher power that my higher power is not good enough for me. When I'm approval seeking from other people, when I'm, you know, I'm not face food in the food, down on the food anymore. I have food neutrality today, which is a blessing. And I will tell you just a moment on food. I have certain foods that are drugs to me. I just don't eat. They have three categories. I'm not going to go into them. And, you know, you can call me later if you need to talk about that. I just don't eat them. And I'm happily, happily don't eat them. And those promises we read, they're like fire to me. If something happens, I do jump back and I, you know, I don't want to. I love this life. I love the life I have today. Right? I love it. And I love what I eat. You know, people cannot believe that I love what I eat. I love what I eat. You know, today, I mean, the beauty of today is that, that I have this, this connection with a power greater than myself who is involved in every little nook and cranny of my life. Everything. And I'll tell you, I, I cause myself pain, not my higher power. I'm the one that gets myself in a corner and forgot to ask for help. That's me. How do I work this program? Well, I work this program pretty diligently because I don't want to lose this connection. You know, I get up every single morning before this meeting. You know, this meeting started at 7 a.m. for me on Father's Day. And I'm sure my husband would like me to sleep in on a Sunday morning with him. But I said, I got to speak. And he said, all right. I got up at six this morning so I could pray and meditate. You know, I got to feed the cats first because, you know, anybody that has animals know that has to be done before God. I'm sorry, because I won't get any peace. Feed cats, meditate. So, I, you know, I, I sat and meditated. I did my inventory. I did, I did my gratitude list. I got myself right with my, I, I said, you know, God, I opened my eyes. In my faith, we believe that, you know, like at night, a piece of your soul returns to God and that you open your eyes in the morning. It means that God has purpose for you in the day, right? So I opened my eyes. I need to connect with that higher power and say, you know, what's the day going to look like? Today, I happen to read on awakening. Sometimes I do other things. I don't always have the same practice, but I do always, always sit in meditation, right? And I do what it says. I go through my day and I say, you know, all right, God, you know, I'm doing this. I'm speaking today. So um, help me there, please. Give me intuitive thought, inspiration, or decision. You know, I, this is the other parts of my day. I ask, you know, what am I going to eat for breakfast later? And what am I going to wear today? I ask all those questions, you know. Sometimes I just sit and focus in, out, just on my breath, in, out. Then usually from there, I'll go, sometimes I walk with friends, sometimes I do yoga, sometimes I do, I do some somewhere exercise, I get on, uh, get on a phone meeting at 7am here, 10am East Coast for you guys, every single day, I do service one day a week on that meeting, right, I, um, then I take sponsees, take sponsees, after that, yeah, for usually about an hour, so about 9am, I've had three hours of connecting, recovery time, whatever, when I get my day started, I go to work, I do all that good kind of stuff, right? 
And then I take, you know, I, and I'll tell you today, God, God has given me, I can't even imagine my recovery life is crazy. People, when uh, fellows, when I, when COVID hit and I got on zoom, I happened to hit this international meeting and it was just starting. And I still go to this international meeting. And I will tell you today, I sponsor all over the world. Some days I'm talking to South Africa. Some days I'm talking to Ireland. Some days I'm talking to Germany. Craziness. I never even talked to people out of my state before because I went out, you know, out of my town, really, because I went to face-to-face meetings, right? Now I'm talking to you guys in New Jersey. Craziness. Who knew, right? God does for, you know, it it's, blows my mind sometimes. My recovery morning, I used to like, oh, I have no time for sponsees. I just said, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to get these sponsees in. And my life was arranged so that I have time for sponsees, right? Because I have, to, I have to work with others. I have to, I have to. And I'm always taking at least two or three people through the big book at a time. And then I have recovered sponsees that I talk to, you know, on different times. Oh, gosh, I got 30 seconds. Okay, so time goes by that quickly. But I am blessed today. And I will say, you know, the line, but he has come to all who have honestly sought him. Did I honestly seek him? Did I honestly seek my higher power? When we drew near near to him, he disclosed himself to us. I have a door. I have to open it for my higher power every day throughout the day. And I have to continue to open that door and say, I am here. I need your help. Please, I invite you in. And with that, I pass. Thank you.